This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Good morning, Melbourne. Have you been staying up late watching Wimbledon, Beefy? Bit of the tennis. We're coming to the Tour de France. It's going to be some late, late Mm. nights over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. We'll be talking more about the Tour de France and crossing to France just in a little while as well. I had an interesting week. You know, you get a bill that comes in the mail. I got a bill from South East Water. Oh, yeah. Guess how much the bill was for? Is it quarterly, six monthly? Too oftenly. This bill was for one cent. So I rang them up and I, I said to them, look, you've get, sent me a bill for one cent. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I pay this? Because if I paid on my cash. credit card... Paying in cash. Well, I was thinking, I'm sure that my credit card fees have cost more than one cent. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, imagine if I go down there to pay it, because I'm going to need some change. Mm. How does that work? You rang them. What did they tell you? Oh, she laughed and she, she let me off. But what gets me is, how much did it cost to send a letter nowadays? So they've spent 60 cents to chase up a bill for one cent. Yep, but they would have got that one cent back. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to The Bucket List. Well, Di, it was Independence Day in America this week, and that can only mean one thing, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition. In Coney Island, this one has been going since 1916. Joey Chestnut has just won his 12th World Hot Dog Eating Championship. He managed to scoff 71 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 71 hot dogs, or 71 wieners, as they also call wieners. them. Wieners. How would you eat 71 wieners in, in how many minutes is it again? 10 minutes. 20,590 calories. He's got two days' worth of calories. How big is this guy? He's not that big. He's quite tall, though. He's about 6'4", but he's not fat. 1.17 kilos of fat in 10 minutes. 2,130 milligrams of cholesterol, but he did get 781 grams of protein. It's horrendous. The competition's been called out by a journalist about the fact that one-fifth of Americans go to bed hungry every night and you're scuffing 71 hot dogs. They did an ESPN documentary as well, didn't they? Called The Good, The Bad and The Hungry. Joey's come out in defence of the competition. Well, he said that that particular comment is low-hanging fruit and he's also said, well, you know, you could also criticise NASCAR for greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, they do donate a lot of food to food Mm. banks. All the excess food gets donated. Competitive eating is is as American as apple pie, isn't it? Very true. I'm sure there's an apple pie eating contest somewhere. (laughs) But $10,000 he picks up for winning the Nathan's Hot Dog Championship. And he wins his 12th mustard belt. It's a massive, massive crowd. I think 50,000 people turn up to Coney Island for this event. How would you practice for this? They eat lots of rice and water so it expands your stomach. Yeah, so that's what they do to train themselves. If you vomit during the match, you get disqualified, Instant disqualification. There's a little, there was a Japanese guy, before Joey Chestnut's Mm. uh, domination, a guy called Kobayashi, he's tiny. He's your size guy. He's like 5 foot 4 and 50 kilos. Yeah. He had the world record. I think he did 63. He was tiny, but he actually got kicked out for um, vomiting because he dipped him in water as well and put him in his mouth. What he was doing with all the mushy bread, Very he filling. was scooping the bread out of his mouth as he was putting it in. Well, he was cheating. But where was he putting the bread? Who knows? Because they do call it the world's messiest sport, by the way, as well, because there is a lot of... Oh, oh. yeah. How many hot dogs could you do? I'll probably, I'll probably get 10 in, I reckon. 10? Yeah, probably could do 10. You're listening to The Bucket List. It's a huge weekend of sports this weekend. I'd love to take part in this. The Wife Carrying World Championship this weekend. You'd actually be quite perfect for the Wife Carrying World Championship because obviously the lighter the wife, the better. But they have to be a minimum of 49 kilos. Otherwise, you've got to carry a rucksack as well. 
wife carrying us in Sonkajaravi. In Finland, do you know who I'd probably love to do it with? The mountain. Or the rock. Oh, his eyes oh, lit yeah. up then. <laughs> oh, yeah, the rock. Yeah, the mountain. He was he was the world's strongest man until recently, and he played the mountain in, in Game, uh, Game of Thrones. Of Thrones. Um, so, basically, you have to carry your wife. Yeah. Over a course. The course is about 250 metres long. Yeah. It's got about six obstacles. There's a water crossing. This is a metre deep pool. Yeah. There's some dry obstacles and tyre things you have to walk through, but you could mm. become world wife carrying champion. The women have to be attached to the man wearing a, a belt. So they are actually physically attached to the belt. What's the, the background history of this competition? Oh, well, this is great. Allegedly, in Finland, in the Dark Ages, marauding villagers used to run into neighbouring villages and steal <laughs> the opposing villages' wives, and they used to pick them up and carry them over their shoulders and run away. <laughs> Basically, it's wife-stealing die, and that's what this sport's based on. The funny thing is, you don't really have to be married. The website said you can, you can have your wife or you can have your neighbour. Originally, it did have to be your wife, by the way, originally, but they did relax the rules a few years ago. You can basically choose anyone. But she, your wife does have to be over 17. Uh, well, it's Finland. They're a crazy mob, those crazy Finns. But um, what's the prize? The weight of your wife in beer. You're kidding. No. There are different styles of wife carrying. Can you can you lead us through these, please, Beefy? Well, basically, there's the piggyback style, kind of the traditional. There is the fireman's lift, where you basically put the female's groin across the top of your shoulder... <laughs> and they're kind of arched over each side. And there is the, the Estonian. Estonian. This is probably the favourite. So the wife basically is upside down and she wraps her legs around your neck. <laughs> and so the wife carrier grabs the basically the back of the thigh, the hamstring area to secure, and the wife wraps her r arms around your waist. So they're basically upside down through the race. And I just want to mention this particular the technique, the Estonian technique, is what the marauders used to do to steal the wives. Well, allegedly, yeah. So good luck to uh, everyone in the World Wife Carrying Championships in Finland. From One Cover Travel Insurance, here's Aisha with a travel tip. Good morning, Aisha. Hi, Di. Today my travel tip is around packing. Because most people obviously dislike packing, especially when you're traveling from place to place uh, and packing on the go. And that's why one of my favorite travel tips is to take photos of all the items you're taking. So not individual photos, because that could obviously get very annoying, but maybe place everything that you're taking on the bed or on the floor so you have a visual reminder of all the things that are stuffed in your luggage. I know it sounds annoying, but A, if you're going from place to place, it'll help you remember what you've actually got with you so you don't leave anything behind. And B, if you have to make a travel insurance claim, you know exactly what you were traveling with. In fact, I take photos of everything, documents, tickets, everything. So if the images are on your phone and on the cloud, you can officially call yourself a smarter traveler. When planning your holiday, make sure you take out travel insurance from OneCover. Call them on 1300 192 021 or onecover.com.au. And this morning we are travelling all the way to Gay as we speak to Tour de France commentator Matt Keenan. Good morning, or should I say good evening to you, Matt? Yeah, I get confused as to what the time clock is. But my body clock is confused somewhere in the middle. I think it's still in transit in Dubai. Oh, nice. Oh, you've done well. Skipping winter and, and going all the way to summer. What is it like in, in, in France at the moment? It must be stunning. It is. It's been a heat wave here in Europe for the last week or so. The tour gets underway this year in Belgium, so it's just over the French border. And the temperatures have been up into the mid-30s. And in the south of France, it's actually been up into the mid-40s. Yeah. It's almost been more like the tour down under than what it's been <laughs> the tour of France. I the think, weather's been extreme. I think I read it was the hottest day ever in France last week. 
It was. I was talking to a few people that live in Provence, so down the south, quite a warm area, and they were recording temperatures of 46 degrees, which was a real shock to the system. Wow, it doesn't even get that hot in Melbourne. Anyway, you're there for the Tour de France, which should be starting, I suppose, this evening, because we are on different times. It's great that in Australia, over the past 20, 25 years, we've had live coverage of all these stages now, and even as an Australian, you can actually feel part of the tour nowadays. It means a lot of people are staying up until 1, 1.30 in the morning. But the tour coverage is starting earlier and earlier. For the last two years now, we've done live coverage from the start of every stage through to the finish. But I know that those of Welsh heritage will be excited because you've got the defending champion with Geraint Thomas back to try and win it back-to-back. We definitely do. And it's, it's quite interesting, obviously. They're not called Team Sky anymore, but uh, Team Ineos. But they've announced joint captains or joint number one riders this year, which, which is pretty disconcerting considering Froome's not there. He's uh, on life support still. And, uh, you know, Geraint Thomas won last year. So to announce joint leaders of their uh, of their team is I thought it was a little bit strange a few people have thought it's been disrespectful of the defending champion Garrett Thomas but the reality is he hasn't had a great season through bad luck as much as anything else he crashed in one of the key races in March a race in Italy called Torino Atletico so that ended early for him he then went to an altitude training camp in April that got cancelled early because of snow so he wasn't able to get the training done then his key lead-up race for the Tour was the Tour de Suisse, and he crashed on stage two of that one. So he missed out on a lot of important racing in the lead-up to this. By contrast, his teammate that he'll be co-leader with is just 22, 23 years of age, Egan Bernal, Colombian. He's only ridden the Tour once before. He was 15th last year, riding in support of Froome and Thomas. But this guy is the wonder kid of cycling, and he's actually my tip to win the race. Wow. I don't think that Garrett Thomas can get it done because of the bad luck that he's had but his teammate Egan Bernal can win. Uh, How have your tips gone in the past, did you find, Matt? Uh, Pretty good when Chris Froome's been fighting, because he's (laughs) been easy to pick. He's won it four times. (laughs) We'll go with Um, you this time. The beauty of this year's race, unfortunately with Chris Froome not being here, it makes it a lot more open. There's a lot of guys that would have been thinking, I can finish in the top three, that would now dare to dream. They could dream to win the race. So they'll take some more risks. And I think it will make for a more entertaining race without Chris Froome in it. Carlo Bjorn is one of the big talking points here in Belgium as well, because he rides for the Belgian team Lotto Sudal, where Robbie McEwen and Kidal Evans spent so much of their career at. And when Robbie McEwen was on that team, he won 12 stages of the Tour, he won three green jerseys, and now Caleb Bjorn has been spoken about as a long time as Australia's next Robbie McEwen. So they're really excited about his debut. And if he wins the first stage, he can take the first yellow jersey. Richie Port will be hoping to finish somewhere inside the top five, even... Top three, maybe challenge for the win. It's a long shot, but at 34 years of age, this could be very well his last chance. Michael Matthews, he's won the green jersey in the past. His key teammate, Tom Dumoulin, who was second here last year, he crashed in the Tour of Italy. He's not able to start this year's Tour de France. Bad for the team, but good for Michael Matthews. So he can race for green. That the Aussie to watch for, that I think is going to cause a few surprises, is the South Australian Rowan Dennis. I think he might be able to get into the top 10. He's only finished the race once before. It was 101st, but he has got the goods and he's in great form. What's the atmosphere like there? Uh, it's fantastic because Belgium is probably the one country in the world where cycling is the number one sport. It's mm. even bigger than football or soccer here in Belgium. And they've got Eddie Merckx, who's the greatest of all time, and the city is just bathed in yellow. And they're really excited about the arrival of the tour. You can feel the buzz. It's a little bit like being an eight-year-old on Christmas Eve. It's really exciting time.
Our show's called The Bucket List. You obviously get along to a lot of sports. Uh, what is actually still to be on your bucket list that you'd like to tick off? Roland Garros. I uh, want to go on the Open. And I've got until about 2032, I reckon, to be able to go there and watch Nadal in the final. <laughs> did <laughs> yeah, you, fair enough. Did you pick Ash Barty for this one? Uh, no, I didn't. I thought she might have made the quarterfinal, but to see her win, it was just fantastic. And let's hope that she can do it again at Wimbledon and looking forward to seeing Ash Barty in action. Matt, we are so jealous that you're off in France at the moment for the Tour de France. It must be wonderful. Matt Keenan, here is the Tour de France commentator on the bucket list. Welcome back to the bucket list. It's been an interesting week in tennis, hasn't it? Wimbledon, it's the uh, prestigious All England Championships. Kyrgios and Tomic have been front page news. Tomic signed all his prize money, $81,000 nearly, Yeah. for a very lacklustre game to Songer. Basically not putting in, tanking. Tomic the tank engine hits the headlines again. Do you think he did tank in this latest game, 58 minutes? I don't know if he tanked. He probably gave up, which, yeah. is, which is half the problem of not, not going all the way to the end. But in terms of... Bernard, unfortunately, he has history of not trying. He has the the world record for the shortest ever match on the ATP Tour when he lost in 27 minutes in Acapulco a few years ago. Wow. Okay, they're trying to make an example out of him because obviously corruption in betting is a big Mm. issue. Mm -hmm. So they want a true game, don't want people giving up, but they also don't want people making the first round of of Grand Slams, Mm. turning up, walking away with the cash and, and not putting in. It's forty-five thousand pounds, eighty thousand dollars for losing in the first round. It's a lot of money. Fifty-eight yeah, exactly minutes. Right. This is the second shortest men's singles match in the whole of all England clubs since really? two thousand and two. Remember, he's trying to hit return singles with the handle of his racket Who in does matches. It? I think if it was a one-off, he might have got away with it. To be honest, in the last day, it was six-four. He actually tried. He's been savaged by the papers in Britain. In fact, one tweet from Good Morning host Piers Morgan had yeah. said, "Congratulations, Bernard Tomic. You absolute something or other head. Think of all the tennis players who would." Cry this opportunity and you do this yeah. appalling go home and sulk there turns out most Aussies agree they agree that he should have oh, been no doubt find his prize money uh, apart from Nick Kyrgios mm-hmm. he should have been fine Nick said but not all of it he says it's a little rough he had a pretty rough night didn't he caught drinking in the Wimbledon pub the night before <laughs> playing Rafa Nadal which is oh look Nick this week has been on absolute fire Mm. Um, press conferences after his first round win. Absolute beauty. He absolutely savaged the press. He was brilliant. This is the press conference. You obviously just said you had great respect for Rafa Mm. Uh, earlier in the year. Took a little bit of a dig at him, calling him super salty. And I was just wondering if you thought those comments would have any impact on the match, how you think your relationship is now with Rafa as a whole. Can I ask you what his uncle said to me first? Do you have that fact? I can't remember, but I do remember he did. Well, you can first. once you have that, and then I'll answer that question. But that's good by you. I just can't remember. Yeah. I don't want to quote it right. Okay, but did I go at him first, or did his uncle come at me first? Yeah, I, I just can't remember the exact. Coming from a journalist, I would just assume you got information right. Sorry. Do you want to tell me? No, that's not my job. You seem to have a bit of an issue halfway through the game. With, was it the photographers talking at the side of the court? No. No? Because you were saying something to the umpire about people talking, no? So it's photography or people talking? Well, I don't know. I... What's your question? Well, who were you complaining about? I think it was someone that was showing people the way. They were very loud. Unbelievable question by you, dude. Like, so good. So interesting. Or set there when you were bageled and then turned it around. Does well, you just answered how, your own question there, didn't you? Does that show how unpredictable you are? If a boxer puts his hands down in a fight, does that mean he's not trying? Yes? No? Well, what's that? It means he's trying or means he's not trying? Could be. Could be either, couldn't it? Could be a tactic, couldn't it? Yeah. And how'd the tactic pay off today? 
Good question. Oh, this is fun. Nick, people who potentially criticise you, do they need to understand that, that it is a high-pressure situation? Uh, most of the people that commented are, are like a high-level athletes, and they've been there. That was a joke. <laughs> um. Love it. He had another press conference recently, too. Oh, last night. Brilliant. When he lost to Rafa Nadal. Nadal and uh, Nick have got a bit of history over the past couple of months. But you think he'd want to beat him, beat his best, and not be drinking in the pub the night before a big match in Wimbledon. The interesting thing is then they had another press conference the following day after he lost. This journalist says to him, um, do you think that being at the pub might have affected your game? He started laughing because it turns out she was actually there. Oh, right. At the pub. Did you not know about this? Oh, Partying no. and with him that night. And he goes, oh, my God, how embarrassing. <laughs> Martine, how was the free pass to the National Sport Museum that you won? It was amazing. My kids had the most amazing day. They had so much fun. Thank you. Oh, pleasure. What did you do there? They showed us around the locker rooms and we saw the ice bath that they go into and they were talking about how, what their coaches talk about back in the locker rooms. It was amazing. Just having a kid with all the footies and just um, doing all the activities and the cartoons, they got to have their picture drawn. Martine, I believe they actually had a mock press conference there. What was that like? It was so good. So what happened was they chose two children in the audience that were the footy players and people in the audience were asking them questions and they had to answer. And they were funny questions as well. <laughs> Bet the kids have had an absolute ball. They did. They're still talking about it even oh, all the way good. back on the train. <laughs> Great stuff. Glad you enjoy the National Sport Museum. Thank you so much. And, of course, the National Sport Museum is closing, Beefy. Yeah, they're having a refurbishment, and uh, basically I think you've got about a month to go before they actually close for about six months. The whole place is getting like a $20 million overhaul. It's going to be awesome when it opens, so get along to the National Sport Museum at the MCG because you've only got a month before it closes. You're listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. And this morning we're chatting to Andrew Gaze. Australia is taking on the USA in August. What do you think our chances are? I think they're really, really good. You look at our team and some of the players that we've got that now have vast international experience and, and also NBA experience. Also, when we play them here in Australia, a raucous home court advantage, that uh, should play in our favour as well and, and hopefully see some great games, good preparation for the World Cup that's going to follow a few weeks after. It's going to be at Marvel Stadium. There's going to be 50,000 plus watching a basketball game in Australia. How yeah. great is that going to be? Fantastic. It's um, it's an amazing venue. Just on 100,000 people are going to be watching basketball over that weekend. So it's an incredible landmark day for the sport. Oh, I can tell you're excited by that. Some very exciting times as well with the free agency this week. What do you think of Ben Simmons' new deal? Um, he will now be the most highly paid yeah. Aussie sportsman in history. Signing the, the, the largest contract. Now, it won't kick in until the year after next. Next year is actually the last year of his rookie deal. So he signed a, a, an extension for a further five years and it's uh, $162 million million US dollars. I think it's about 240 million Australian dollars. And uh, so it's a lot, a lot of money. But that's the world they live in over there. It's an extraordinary amount of money, but there are many players on that level of compensation. So it's one that he's demonstrated throughout his first few years in the league that what the potential he has. Last season, he averaged 16 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. So near on a triple-double for every single game. And he's still a very, very young man. So he's got a lot of development 
development ahead of him, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's what Philadelphia are banking on, that he's only going to get better and grow from here. And those types of numbers, he's one of the the elite superstars of the competition and he's going to get very well rewarded for it. Yeah, it's quite amazing, Gazy. Some, some, some of the money that's been thrown around, some of the deals going down, obviously Butler going down to Miami and a few others, is just crazy. Yeah, Kevin Durant was probably the big one and we're still waiting on Kawhi Leonard. In the first 24 hours of free agency, something in the order of $3.2 billion, that's with a, a billion, yeah. was, uh, was signed off on. So it's... It's an extraordinary amount of money. That's the type of revenue the league is bringing in, and and as such, uh, the players are getting well compensated for it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely phenomenal. Now, how about yourself, Gazy? Obviously, you won the championship with San Antonio, and uh, you've been in the NBL for a long time. You're coaching the Sydney Kings. I see you're still helping out with the local lads at the Tigers still. I'm coaching the youth league uh, team there. Three years ago, when we took on that job, we inherited a team that I think, uh, off the top of my head, were, were, were 5 and 23. So they were going through a really tough period. And last season, we finished off uh, regular, equal top at the end of the regular season. So it was a, a significant turnaround. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Kings go from here. I still feel very much part of the, the Kings fraternity and, and hope for nothing but the best for them. Yeah, I am coaching the junior level. My son's playing. I'm trying to help him and oh, I get great reward out of helping these kids go through the process and uh, some of them that I've coached over the years have gone on to college and and, uh, and even playing in the NBL right now. It brings a lot of joy to me to, to be able to, to help out the kids and who knows, maybe in the future we, we might get back to some sort of senior level coaching as well but uh, but right now the focus is just on the juniors. Just mentioned very, very briefly about the NBL as well. It's great that the NBL's been able to step up and have a uh, development program where, you know, Players like uh, Ball uh, and yeah, the guy that's gone to one. New Zealand as a stepping stone to get into yeah, yeah. To, as a stepping stone to get in the NBA. So the NBA are taking the NBL very very seriously as a as a direct second tier in between college and the NBA. You go back a couple of years, James Ennis, who's just signed an extension with the Philadelphia 76ers, He started his professional journey with the the, the Perth Wildcats. Tory Craig, who's with the Denver Nuggets, he, he came through and was in the NBL a couple of years and is now a um, well-established player with, the, with a very good Denver Nuggets team. Last year, Brian Bowen, a player on our team, was the first of this uh, Next Stars um, program. And that is, it's a, it's a program where the league actually um, pay for these younger kids to, to come over. And we were fortunate enough at the, Sing, the, at the Sydney Kings to have him come along and join our team and he never got drafted but he's recently been signed by the Indiana Pacers and I think with the players that we've got coming over that you, you mentioned LaMelo Ball with the Illawarra Hawks and RJ Hampton with the um, New Zealand Breakers he's probably the highest profile player in that next stars group that we've seen he's kept to be a, a lottery pick and, and, and even before he signed on with the New Zealand Breakers in for next year's draft, his ranking right now is is between number one and five. So he is going to be a sensation, uh, regardless of what happens with the um, with the breakers. He's going to get drafted. It's just going to be great to see him and, and watch him develop. All eyes are going to be on him in our league, as they have been over the last few years. Just last Thursday, they announced the continuation of the NBA preseason games, where NBL teams play against. NBA teams in the preseason. That's continuing 
for another year. Five games are going to be played, so there's a great relationship being built between the NBA and the NBL, and they've got tremendous respect for the uh, the way in which our programs are being run and the way in which we develop players. It's been fantastic chatting to you this morning. Andrew Gaze, former Aussie basketball legend on the bucket list. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. This morning we're chatting to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays about the Northwest 200 from the 10th of May till the 16th of May. Is the event held somewhere exciting? It's held in Northern Ireland. It's about 100 kilometres northwest um, of Belfast on the uh, beautiful Causeway Coast. All the international riders who want to take part in the Isle of Man TT, they generally head to the Northwest 200. It's usually about two weeks before the Isle of Man TT. Generally find that all the best riders in the world do attend the event. It's actually the fastest road race in the world, and it's even faster than the Isle of Man TT. Average speeds of approximately 190 kilometres per hour, top speeds in excess of 320 kilometres per hour, which is ridiculous if you think about it. The biggest annual sporting event in, in Northern Ireland, over 150 people, uh, 150,000 people attend the event over race week. It's a little bit different to the TT in that riders compete for position on the circuit as opposed to trying to set the fastest overall time, time trial like it is at the TT, but it's a world-class event. It's not nearly as dangerous as the TT. There's been 19 deaths compared to 150 plus at the TT, and that doesn't include spectators at the TT. But the riders really look after each other in that they don't want to crash, they don't want to cause a crash that will cause harm to their, their fellow competitors. This is a cracker for those that love road, road racing. Wow, a lot of adrenaline there, Daniel, definitely. How does the race schedule actually work? In terms of our packages, we check in on the Monday the 11th of May, we check out on the Sunday the 17th of May. On the Tuesday, they have their first official practice session. There's five practice sessions on that day. On the Thursday during the day, they have another official practice session, and there's four of them. And then that night, they have their first official racing session where there'll be three races with main race day on the Saturday being five races. The way it works, like TT, because the weather can be quite inclement, not as consistent as they, they obviously hope it could be, they leave a day in between in case they have to reschedule any of those days. Where are you guests travelling from and what packages are you offering? The majority of our clients are coming from Australia, but we get several clients from the US, Canada and a few European countries. Because it's usually a couple of weeks before the Northwest, it's really popular for people to combine both. So for those that, you know, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime, they want to go to the TT, the top of road racing bucket list. But a lot of people that do that will then add the Northwest to their TT trip, which makes for a great couple of weeks. We have a six-night package to encompass all those racing days that I mentioned. You return flights, you six nights in, in Port Rush, breakfast. We include a three-day paddock grandstand ticket for all practice and race sessions. They get a weekly paddock pass so they can get in behind the scenes during the event. We take them down a giant causeway, near about 40,000 interlocking basalt columns, result, I believe, of an ancient volcanic eruption. Pretty cool. We include a one-week island travel card to help them get around from the moment they arrive to the moment the, the tour is finished. And the special experience that we tack on is we have a paddock tour. So we use usually a current rider or a former rider. This year we used Australian Davo Johnson and it's an incredible opportunity to get some amazing insights from someone that has or, or is risking it all at the event. This is why we want to use Sportsnet Holidays for all our sports tours. We're the 
exclusive official travel partner in Australia and New Zealand for the event, so everything's official. Cameron Donald is our, our road racing event ambassador. He's a road racing event legend. He helps design our tours. He comes on a lot of our road racing tours. He's involved. Davo Johnson, great friend of ours at Sportsnet. He's on a great ride at the moment on a Honda. He's got his first podium at TT. To follow him is a great thing for us Australians. Accommodation tickets, getting around on race days, it's difficult. And we make it easy. And, and generally road racing events are difficult. And, and that's where we come in. The paddock tour with a current or former rider is an experience that I think those that are into road racing will never forget it. It's really really special. We're a one-stop shop. Again, it's difficult. We make it very easy. And that's exactly why you should book the Northwest 200 through Sportsnet Holidays. You can call them on 1300 888858. That's 1300 888858. Sportsnetholidays.com. That is sportsnetholidays.com.